the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Brought to you by Gorilla Technology. Proactive and strategic IT. Greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Uh, I'm Paul Spain. This is episode 421. And today we have Oscar Allison on the show. Welcome to the show, Oscar. Thanks, Paul. Good to be here. Now, maybe you can fill listeners in on where you fit into this big, wide world of tech here in New Zealand. Cool. Yeah, so I'm um, the CEO and founder of a company called Your Drive, and uh, Your Drive's a peer-to-peer car sharing platform, so very similar to the kind of Airbnb peer-to-peer sharing with accommodation and housing, but we've taken that model and taken it to the kind of vehicle space, so your website where you can list your vehicle for rent and others can come along and rent it off you, yeah. Nice, great. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing a bit about that during the show. Uh, but first up, let, let's jump in. Lots to talk about. Now, we're coming off the back of uh, CES 2019, and I've just got back in the last uh, last couple of days, and I mean, there are so many things that we could uh, talk about from CES. There were, uh, I guess, a, you know, a couple of small things I wanted to mention, and we've got another episode where we talk about CES. Um, but one area that sort of, I guess, down your track a little bit is is the the car and that sort of uh, you know area of, of mobility and of course yep. CES has become one of the biggest car shows yeah. in the world now it's 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 nuts I went around and just photographed some of the interesting and especially the futuristic looking cars and and put some of those up on uh, on Instagram and fa- Facebook. Uh, and yeah, the, you know, some of those people were, you know, were, were really, you know, quite quite curious about. And you know, for those that maybe don't go to the show, don't recognise that there's yeah, there's a, there's a pretty big part of the show that's really tied up and, um, you know, in vehicles and and transport and you know, of course, that's it's not all cars. There was uh, trucks there, and I spent some time uh, talking to one of one of the, a company there. Who is uh, you know? I guess they're buying they're buying trucks and then they're modding modding them uh, to be autonomous. They've already got them on the road, and they're basically gearing themselves up. They're just they're a logistics company, uh, but they're they're building all the all the technology to to do that. You know, semi autonomously, they still put drivers in in their trucks, but uh, you know they're they're on this on this journey, uh, of, you know, away from yep. you know being reliant on on uh, you know those people in the vehicles to uh, to actually be having to be uh, you know steering and doing all the all the driving, which is uh, uh, yeah, pretty pretty interesting when it's like oh that's happening. And then you also had there were at least a couple of companies that have uh, vehicles on the road just generally in Las Vegas that are autonomous. So, you know, I would be using uh, you know, Uber competitor Lyft to you know to, to get around most of the time. And yeah, I remember the, the yeah first time I was I was in one and the driver you know pointed out this vehicle that's going past. With the Aptiv logo on it, and I, you know, suddenly yeah. clicked, and uh, you know, she said, "Oh, there's there's one of the autonomous uh, lift, yeah. lift vehicles," and so, you know, in that case, I think they put uh, two two people in the in the front, so they're really being, uh, you know, super cautious and and wanting to be safe, wanting to take away as much as they can yeah. in terms of learning, but you know, particularly after CES Uber's, Uber's is probably incident. not the place to have, a, <laughs> have an accident either. No, yeah. no, and you know they've they've been, but the running year round, I think they've been going over, yeah. you know, over a year there, and it, it sort of got me to thinking because. You know, we so often hear, oh, autonomous vehicles are, you know, they could be 10, 20, 30 years away before they'll, you know, fully get there. And so I wanted to sort of drill in and and get my head around, well, where are we at now? Because, uh, you know, you've got uh, Alphabet with the Waymo cars that are out there delivering a a, a service now, albeit not as broad as what 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 the expectation was that anyone will be able to install the app and go and use those in in Phoenix, Arizona. That's not the case. It's it's still a, a limited set of people that can use it. And when you look at Las, Las Vegas with Aptiv and, and Lyft, it's a small percentage of their vehicles. And so, you know, I started thinking through, well, how does this work? And how does it happen, for instance, during CES, where you come up to an intersection and the traffic light says green, but actually there's, um, you know, a, a 
policeman or policewoman who's standing there actually saying don't go or it's red and they're saying do go and then you get to say Las Vegas uh, Convention Centre where a vehicle needs to drop off and they've put all these cones up and they've done this and that and they've they've they they created something like and I've never seen this done with with Uber or Lyft or anything before they created maybe 70 or 80 numbered slots for uh, the Uber and Lyft vehicles to drop off and yep. pick up from. So because there was you know, 180,000 people to deal with, they couldn't just have a usual call your Lyft <laughs> or your Uber because it's... You know, Wellington like, Airport's <laughs> got a good kind of... Uh, uh, the, I think it's called uh, Mobility Apps Pickup Point or something. Right. So I think we're going to see more of that. Um, I just see a tweet or a, some post about it just being a, a really um, scabby-looking oh, shed it's, it's, that not, it's not, not flash, in line with the rest of the, uh, um, the design, but maybe that's just an Yeah, I, I think it's more... One of the big challenges is that that interface moment once you're in the car the car can drive itself but how do we get the the people and increasingly the, the goods from a logistics point into the vehicle and out of the vehicle and so where does that happen yeah um you've seen over the last two years of the uber app they've done a lot lot of work in this and i think that's where uber's got a a good run on the um some of the competition in terms of the the human psyche element where you know you jump along Ponsonby Road on a Saturday night and people are piling in and out of cars and Ubers and waving down kind of, it's chaos so having those dedicated points um, kind of how that works with Uber pool as well so that the Uber's going in a, a direct route and then you kind of have to, to meet the pool um, car on its route which suddenly feels quite like a bus service but um, yeah, yeah, yeah that was it's, a, it's I tried, idea tried that having, quite early on and it wasn't working very yeah. well at all. It may be working better now. What's that one called? It's not Uber Paul, it's a slight variation on Uber Paul. Oh, there was that one Chariot there. that literally yeah, closed down a, a couple of weeks ago. Right. That, was, that was Ford's first one where they had l- right. little minivans. So yeah. there's a lot of innovation in, in this space in terms of both the business models but also the, the autonomy aspect. And yeah, the challenge really is in. Once the machines are doing their job, it's under control. When humans are interacting, we have this kind of subtle language that look in the eye, I see what you're doing, you see what I'm doing, but how? what's the interface between the machine and the human? Um, easy when you're ordering it on your app, but when it comes to is it, where's it pulling over, how do I jump in? Yeah, all those sort of, of unique uh, niche yeah. cases. And, and even at some of the uh, hotels, that were, you know, maybe they were dealing with a bit more than usual. So they just decided, you know, at some point to change exactly where the vehicles would come in yeah. and out or, you know, how the, how they were handling it and structuring it. And there's, yeah, all these uniques that happen or a road gets closed off or there's a, you know, spillage. The, you know, there's the option. just so, so many things that we have to uh, cater to. But when you break it down to the very simple ones... Yep. And this, the, I guess this was the conclusion I came to is, well, how do we have these jolly things on the road working right now? Well, of course, if you go in and you're at the Las Vegas Convention Centre and you book a Lyft, well, Lyft knows, oh, this is going to be a challenging location. This, this is my guess yeah. anyway. This is going to be a challenging location. And look, there's a whole lot of other drivers there. We'll just have a driver pick you up as normal, but if you're going from, you know, one of maybe they've got you know, a couple of hundred locations that work really well for for autonomous, then yep. if it's from one of those to another one of those, then they check the then then, and, yeah. then you know their algorithm just picks up and says, oh yeah, that matches that and so those, all of the boxes, yep. and we don't have any indications of other you know traffic or whatever challenges and we'll do it and it's between the hours of you know 10am and 4pm when things are reasonably okay and it's not raining and it's not this and it's not that so they can they can actually define it yeah and so from an outside perspective you think Slowly. this is amazing they can do whatever they want but actually behind the scenes they're they're cutting it down and so and then you slowly widen that scope of operations yes. yeah so i recognized actually the chance of me getting an autonomous lift 
without arranging it through a media relations team yeah. or anything, it's probably zero yeah. during that trip because of the, the locations I was going to and from were unlikely to have, um, you know, been uh, a tick in both, you know, the uh, pick-up point and the drop-off point. Yeah. It's, it, it, back to your earlier point about kind of how it's taken over, I, I've never had the never been lucky enough to go along to CS, but it has been really obvious kind of watching that over the last 10 years how it has been come a car show, obviously. I think it's 20% of New Zealand's GDPs on transport, logistics, personal car ownership. So it's a, it's a big space for these kind of consumers to look at and it is kind of from the, the big logistics trucking stuff and we're seeing the, the micro-mobility now with, with Lime and and everyone's kind of playing in, in every different space. It, it's I love being in the transport game because it's an industry that kind of didn't have any innovation for a hundred years, and then it's since the it's release go. of the mobile phone, it's, it, it is all going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, now, it's also talking of CES and mobile phones, one uh, one thing that I did get to get to look at uh, after our last episode in person was this foldable phone tablet device, uh, the Royal FlexPie. And this just it just seems to sort of capture people's imaginations because, you know, bending a phone, and I'm holding one right now, and, you know, I could put some pressure on it and, and <laughs> probably cause a bend to it, yeah. but it would be a very expensive uh, a thing, permanent, a thing, permanent thing, bend. thing to get <laughs> involved in. So this idea of something that bends and then, you know, other people have comments like, well, Paul, you know what happens if you bend a bit of plastic or anything backwards and forwards, you know, like yeah. 20, 30, 40, 50, 100 times, you know, try it with your credit card. Like that's how you, that's how you permanently you know, yeah. screw it up. Uh, so this, this idea of, you know, of a device like that. And the other thing that I, I saw uh, after the last episode in person was also this roll up. You know, TV yeah, the and LG yeah, one, was it? Yeah. yeah, from yeah. Our LG, and you know, just yeah, stunning. Um, but from a practical, you know, perspective, the fold-up phone, you know, you can't fold it super. It's not super tight. It's got this sort of big. Um, it's, it's a little bit it, yeah. like the uh, Microsoft Surface Book Two uh, hinge or Surface Book Hinge. For anyone that's seen that, it was really cool. Uh, but there's only so you know so tight that that uh, that, that actually uh, you know bends, and it's the same with the screen. And I tried it out, and I popped it in my pocket, and it fitted in my pocket fine, and yeah, it's lovely, but. Yeah, probably not. Not really the device that uh, probably anybody's uh, you know, likely to be getting, unless they're, they're getting it maybe for that gimmick uh, factor, or they've got and they, you know, yeah, they, they've got some sort of particular need. You know, I imagine you you know challenge with your eyesight needed things to be really big. Then yeah, a phone that can fold out to be twice as big. Maybe that's uh, that, that that's useful, but yeah, I'm not sure this first iteration is is probably going to be super reliable or or a great a great thing to use. So I wouldn't be recommending anybody jump out and buy that's, one. That's why you go to CES, though, isn't it, for to, to see that future stuff that isn't yet kind of practical, but that's that's where the technology is going. Obviously, like and yeah, orga- I mean, the, the organic LED that was kind of first shown there maybe five years ago, and now. Walk into any kind of consumer electronics store in New Zealand, and it's a Re- yeah, yeah reasonably accessible. Yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah, and and CES is very interesting from that perspective. And yeah, I mean, many years since we saw probably the first 8K TV at at CES. You know, I would think probably at least four or five years. Yeah. Uh, and and now we, you know, 8K is just. Now starting to become okay. This is this is something you you be able to go out and and buy just like you've been able to with 4K TVs. Yeah. So yeah, we certainly uh, you know going to this type of event does give you a, a a little bit of insight into where we'll be a few years down the down the track. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. Some of these things come to nothing. I mean, remember 3D TV. 
I walked across. I walked through the 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 stand of a company. I think they call themselves Real Three D. I've remembered the name right, and I've been seeing them at CES every year since probably the first year I went. And they, you know, work with the manufacturers of the big TV panels, have some sort of partnership thing going, and they're able to. And I, you know, I don't quite know what they what they do. I haven't looked into the the technicalities of it, but it's a glasses free 3D. Yeah. Uh, and so you stand in front of the TV, and you know we've seen some. Iter- well, you know, at least one iteration I think was in a was one of the Nintendo handheld consoles um, some years ago that that you know made that available to the, that type of technology available to the general public, but. Yeah, there they were, and they've been touting it every year. And you know, the main the main change I notice is, you know, this year they're showing it with an eight K panel. Yeah, last year yeah. it was with a four K panel. You know, years prior to that, it was a ten eighty p or seven twenty p. Um, and yet the rest of the industry is like three D. What? Now, you know, there's not really too yeah. much interest in that. So there are, yeah, there are some of these things where. You know, um, yeah, you'd look at them and you think, well, it's not broadly relevant. But then there are the niche sort of use cases. And I think at CES we're starting to see maybe some of the technologies that have been invented now being applied to maybe more niche cases. So, you know, to start with, it's like, oh, okay, we've got this. Well, you know, we'll create a, you know, I guess look at the iPhone. You know, create a phone that you can touch without a stylus, just with your with your finger and you know, um, apps in your pocket and so on. And so we've seen that whole thing iterate, but now we're getting into all these little niche, case, yeah. niche case, cases. Uh, you have and, to, and have, have, have you to certainly kind you know, of big see boys those. charging ahead with the, the mass market stuff and a second yeah. wave of innovators coming off the, the using those solutions for more niche yeah kind of, yeah yeah and 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 look they're genuine businesses that might just be as small as any little kiwi small business and some of those are there at, at ces you know one person on a stand trying to yeah. you know get enough business to sustain them through to the next year or to get the next round of funding uh you know w- w- whatever it is um, so there's there's really all sorts from the you know very big budget to the very small budget stuff and um, yeah and the whole startup area and uh, and so on as as well. Any other CS favourites or? Uh, well, one that you and I chatted about just before we yeah. uh, we we started recording was this um, makeup product from Procter and Gamble now. This is not an area I have to be, you know, straight up with our, both our, uh, well, with, with all, all listeners, you know, whatever, um, you know, persuasions and interest in, in makeup. Uh, this is not an area I, I put a lot of uh, a lot of thought into. But yeah, you've got this new uh, product that, you know, you put it up to your face and uh, it's going and scanning and figuring out what you need and effectively kind of. Um, you know, a, a bit like an inkjet printer onto your skin and, and putting out whatever makeup so is, is going to make you look better. Micro six scans for every little blemish and then prints on the kind of exact <laughs> application of makeup to cover over those blemishes. Yeah. Yeah, kind of, uh, it's, kind of curious. It is amazing to be able to, I just, from a technological point of view, to be able to scan that and, 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 and then pump out the answer and kind of apply the makeup in the same brush it's would have been incredible to see yeah yeah and but this is this is the thing as the, as the technologies get smaller and cheaper then there's so many different yeah. ideas that we've you know just yet to be thought of or certainly you know yet, yet to be uh de- delivered so you can imagine something like this could could be massive right Oh, the beauty industry is, is is a huge industry, and if something is, is solving a genuine problem there, then yeah, it'd be an incredible opportunity. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, a few other things we wanted to uh, jump in on. Some of them are sort of following up on on items we talked about a little bit last year. So, uh, end of last year, talked about uh, the um, the space talk uh, kids GPS watch. 
Uh, it's powered by All My Tribe as the sort of app and so on that uh, uh, that, that that goes with it. And um, Spark is selling it here in New Zealand, and so they sent one uh, sent one over, and we've been trying this out the last uh, maybe yeah three about three weeks with my son, and you know really curious to see well you know how how do, how does this work? I had really not considered the idea of putting a smartphone in the hands of my eight-year-old son. That was not, you know, yes, I'm involved in technology and so on, and, you know, and I've I've carried a, a smartphone, um, you know, since re- reasonably, reasonably early on in, in terms of smartphones, but I didn't think this was the sort of thing that you would lumber, no, a, lumber no, a child No level with. of parental control that can <laughs> lock them down well enough, I think, yeah. <laughs> Um, but this watch thing has been really interesting because, well, it's locked down to very specific, you know, types of things, and and um, I guess that, you know there were some good things and some and and some bad things. Um, but the fact that he can call, you know, me. Uh, or his mum any times you know he can call call either of us he can message us that's great we can send messages to him he can reply to those from a preset preset list of responses so it's something that actually works okay on a phone Um, but he's new to things like having an alarm he's never had an alarm in his life he doesn't have an alarm to wake him up in the morning or anything he doesn't need that um, so we've tried a few times and set alarms on his wrist, and it you know comes up with a couple of different icons. And you know him, he wasn't yeah he didn't know what what he's supposed to be pressing, yeah, uh, which hadn't, you know hadn't really uh, hadn't really thought about. Uh, but it, you know it's it's cool. And when I was at CS at uh, uh, at one point, and um, yeah, there was maybe a little bit of a behavioural uh, challenge, and so um, so I said to my wife, well, I'll give him a call. <laughs> and so uh, you know, and obviously, yeah, you you probably don't want to use a device like that as a you know an, that that uh, that type of communication becomes a sort of a has a negative connotation with him. So I just had a yeah general general chat to him, and but he would also forget uh, because of the way it's on his wrist, and then there's other people around talking that. That it's actually connected in a call, so I start chatting with him, and then somebody else, one of the kids he's with or whatever, start chatting. He completely forgets I'm there. Forgets his. Oh, that uh, sounds like my little nephew when I'm <laughs> talking to him, and he gets distracted by something on TV. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, yeah, but it, it was good fun. The probably the downside I felt was even though this has been out in Australia for about maybe a year or so. Yeah. Uh, they still maybe have some reliability issues, and there's been some firmware updates, but uh, I'm a little bit unclear on exactly how those work. So, you know, it said, oh, you can go in here and check for a firmware update, and, oh, yeah, those things will automatically download overnight. But I remember seeing something, it might have been uh, yeah, a little bit before New Year, saying something about a firmware update, and then... I couldn't tell whether it had actually, you know, whether that software update to the phone had actually, or to the watch, had actually happened or not. And then, yeah, a few days later, I got a notice saying, hey, you know, there's an update to be done. I'm thinking, well, this is supposed to happen automatically. Uh, you know, maybe it was it was yeah. turned off overnight or something, but you would think, well, it should pick it up the next night or something. Um, so yeah, there may be a couple of difficulties there, or it could just, just be you know my, my, my yeah. use, you know our use case of it. Uh, but on the flip side, with those updates, means they're actually bringing out some new features along the way. So the features that are in the phone now are, are, are broader than what was there when it was launched initially. So, for instance, there's a school mode where you set school hours. You know, no incoming, outgoing calls, and so on. So you're not going to get in too much, you know, drama. With with a school around yeah. the fact that your eight year olds wearing a, um, you know, wearing a phone. A, a, yeah, a, a phone on their wrist because it's not going to actually do that. You know, they can basically have a look and see how many steps they've done for the day, uh, which um, probably so, seems to quite like enjoy. There's a little bit sold, of though. Paul, uh, uh, look, 
it said to me for review. I yeah. didn't have to pay for it. Whether <laughs> would would I be going out and spending you know four hundred dollars yeah. on it? I think you have to kind of you know weigh up what your situations are. Um, we had one one situation uh, where there was a little bit of a mix up on a on uh, collecting uh, Pablo from somewhere, and so it was like you know we could actually jump into the app and um, you know and and. Uh, and see, just check that he was where we expected him to be, and so on, because you've got that GPS element, yeah. and so on. So, you know, there, there definitely are some uh, nice aspects to uh, to that little bit of, you know, peace of mind and, and, and so on. But, um, yeah, does anyone really need this stuff? No. Did we need cell phones when they came out 20 years ago? No. Would we be without them now? Uh, I don't know too many people that operate without a, without a cell phone this day and yeah. age. So... Uh, yeah, I th- you know I think they're actually doing a, a, a pretty good job. I know others have tried with varying you know GPS things for for people to wear, and you know they, they haven't panned out too well. This seems like actually quite a useful implementation. The the GPS sort of monitoring of where 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 a person is is probably you know right down you know pretty low down the list in terms of what you actually really really need but uh you know the device seems to seems to be fine i've you know yet to see what will happen send it to school with it will it get lost will he get beaten up and someone take it off him well i hope not um you know like you know will the school say hey you're not allowed that at school Uh, yeah don't i don't know yeah um that's a bit of a bit of a new world with some of these things but uh yeah certainly they're they're yeah, definitely reasonably young kids yeah. running around with phones, and and I think this is better than it's much than, better than, than a phone going down a track and yeah. there's no social media and bullying and any of that mm. any of that stuff. So um, yeah, it's kind of cool. All right, um, and the other thing from uh, from last year, we talked a little bit about these new Freeview um, devices. So there's a new yeah, Freeview sort of set top uh, box with the new Freeview recorder. They're calling it. Um, yeah, there are a few oddities with that, just not not working perfectly. And uh, it seems as though others who have bought that box, you know, some people have been returning them. It took them a lot longer to come to market with it. I think, you know, when they first talked about it, probably uh, might have been late 2017. Took them, they were talking yep. about launching it maybe early 2018 ended up being just about the end of 2018 where it actually got into the market. Uh, and the fact it doesn't have Netflix on it, um, it's an Android, you know, runs Android TV but doesn't have Netflix. Um, it's a l- little bit little bit head-scratching, so, I've got to say. Who's buying these? Um, well, you know, I guess, well, it, because it's uh, it picks up Freeview either either off satellite or off uh, uh, terrestrial. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, anyone that, that wants to be able to record, uh, you know, broadcast TV type yeah. type stuff, which can be handy because at least with that compared to the on-demand stuff, you can skip the ads. So there's definitely a market for... Uh, for, for for some of that, and you know, I've I've set it up to record news and bits and pieces, but yeah, not perfect. I set it to re- or yeah, started recording one one thing, and it yeah, it seemed to I don't know, it, it failed basically. It got some of it, and then I was trying to rewatch some or watch something that was part way through recording, and it would sort of jump around a bit and just do do some odd things so i don't think they've kind of they've got it um yeah quite quite reliable just yet let's let's put it that way um (laughs) and and look i haven't been super heavy in the usage of it i did hear that you can only use it on either satellite or terrestrial you can't use both at once which seems odd if you've got the ability to use both that you know why couldn't you use uh, all all of those tuners, is, I think four tuners for the satellite or two for um, it, the, the it, terrestrial usage. It's interesting, I think, because in our household we've got Apple TV and Chromecast and so it's, it's all just 100% on demand. But mm. these kind of technologies that come after the Freeview boxes that support a large kind of part of the population and yeah. they're the ones that are probably more buggy that had not as much energy has gone into an effort. And so it's, you, we kind of risk leaving a big part of kind of society behind if they're not adopting the kind of first wave of like technology yeah, yeah. now the device that i did find uh more interesting is the 
the Android TV stick that uh, that that Freeview have launched. That's coming in, I think, one hundred and thirty nine dollars, and that uh, that does have Netflix, um, Lightbox, yeah, YouTube. It can do four K. I think both of them can. Uh, again, released in partnership with with Dish TV. Yeah. Um, and but that's the first thing that we've had that gives you broadcast television, New Zealand broadcast television without any sort of aerial or satellite. Yeah. And that's, it just, that sounds and it, really interesting. And yeah. it's and it seemed fast too. Yeah. I'm not sure it necessarily clicked up to full well, I guess you don't have very high definition with broadcast TV anyway. Um, but it seemed to like I just had a play with it the other day. I didn't even set it up. My wife set this up, a non non tech person. <laughs> I, I you know I'd thrown it at her and said, "Well, if you could set this up while I'm away, you know, let me know how you get on." And it was it was just all running. She didn't seem to have any any drama with it at all. Uh, you know, I think she might have asked me, "Well, do we have a?" I think you have to have a uh, a free viewer login. You have to go through yeah. and create. I said, "No, we don't have one." You know, just set one up on so literally just a USB stick in the in the back of the in the USB port of the TV. Uh, Yeah, so I think you yeah, it's got USB for power and then goes into an HDMI port and then Wi-Fi for very similar to Chromecast and and actually it supports all you know it is it does Chromecast stuff as well so you can cast to it. So for one hundred and forty dollars, you you know, it seems to me like. As long as it's uh, as reliable as a Chromecast at casting too, which I hadn't, yeah. you know, haven't had a good um, play with, then you know you've got broadband. You get rid of your satellite or your aerial, and yeah, seems uh, seems like a, a a nice approach. Only little problem I had, and I'm one of those who happens to use a DNS type service to uh, access <laughs> content that maybe is designed for different regions when I fired up Netflix and tried to watch whatever one of the uh, what was it that just came out on Netflix uh, Solo uh, the, yep. the the new um, Star, yeah, Wars, Star yep. Wars sort of offshoot and I thought I'll watch that and it came up and said oh you know you're using some sort of geo blocker and so then I tried it on the Netflix app that was you know built into LG 4K TV, that worked absolutely no, fine. Sure, yeah. So um, yeah, probably a newer variant of the application, a little bit smarter, or I don't know. I was pointing or it at our wrong Wi-Fi, yeah. um, you know, access point or something. But yeah, so just to be aware of, um, you know, results may may vary on all of these things depending how you use them. Um, a really good place to look actually, if you if you're weighing these things up and you are kind of curious. Is Geek Zone because you get a lot of tech heads that are chatting yep. through their experiences, and uh, you know these two devices seem to have created quite a bit of discussion. So um, you'll certainly find a bit more detail there about the the, the good and bad sides of them. Put it that way. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, it's pleasing to see that Freeview aren't sitting still. And the fact that they've got this, you know, broadcast straight across the internet, flick channels, I mean, it just works like a, you know, pr- pretty close to a normal device. There's not like a record option. There's not storage in there. There's not a record to the cloud or, or anything quite that fancy. But with your one login, you can get to the on-demand stuff. Uh, and one one channel that I flicked to, uh, as I was flicking through the channels, there might have been... Um, Shine TV did some. It was there was something weird going on on screen, and it wouldn't actually. It was just sort of like spinning. It wouldn't play the content. Yeah. Um, but for the you know the channels that I could got, get to, and I think there might be, might be one or two that you can't uh, that you can't actually actually get. But the, it's quite that, it's it, quite it nice sometimes good. not to have to make the the Netflix decision and just be able to turn on the TV and see what's on at the scheduled time and. When, yeah. when, when you've been away from having uh, having access to broadcast TV for for a while, which you know I, I've often just had no access to to Freeview or Sky or anything for you know reasonable chunks of time, yeah. it's quite weird going <laughs> yeah. back to you can channel surf and you know, all the stuff from you know what uh, feels like the old days. But uh, yeah, once you get used to it again, it can yeah, it's okay. Yeah. 
uh, things like news. You know, you can quickly get used to not not uh, not not watching yeah, and just think how, how those two coexist in our new digital television land, though. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, something that that came out um, over the over the break was um, with Netflix was Black Mirror uh, Bandersnatch. Yep, I watched it. I enjoyed it. Yeah. How much time did you spend watching it? So long, Paul. So long. <laughs> I, I, I went through every option. I, I got involved in the Reddit threads and made sure I'd seen every particular outcome. Interesting concept. I, I think it, it harks back to the three D conversation. It's is there the content to back it up, um, or is is great content just existing in a kind of single timeline um, option. So, yeah, I, I enjoyed the concept, but uh, I think well, most can commentators... Can you explain the, con- the, the concept for those yeah, who so, maybe haven't, haven't... So it's basically it the, the, um, the adventure book where you... Choose your own adventure. Choose your, choose your own adventure. So it, it, every... It was probably every about three minutes uh, you had to pick one of, one of two options. And they started off pretty easy options to make which cereal are you having for breakfast and it kind of <laughs> got more sinister as, as um, Black Murray episodes always seem to do but um, yeah interesting because it, it kind of when you got deeper into it, it a lot of it actually was a single timeline um, and if you took certain scenarios you would loop back into the same timeline um, and obviously that's a content problem they can only they need to employ the actors and do all the shooting so it's it's, it's only three or four hours of shooting that like of yeah. film but it, it gives you the um it makes you feel like you're in control um yep. so yep. the yeah lots of commentators have said that the the plot was a bit of a, a letdown um I, I love the black mirror series the they always make me. Yeah, it was quite think, different to, yeah. the, to the other content, wasn't it? But yeah, if it's really kind of achievable to, to tell those kind of stories, um, I'm not sure. But it was cool to have a play and, and see yeah. people pushing the boundaries. Well, we, you know, there's been talk of this sort of stuff for a long time, and you know, in some markets there is has been somewhat interactive TV or adverts where you can click something on your you know on your remote and that triggers something and so on so you know actually seeing that and you know having content where you get that sort of level of of uh, of control was was kind of cool yeah. um now speaking of netflix i decided to try an experiment on my new zealand flight to uh the US, I had Wi-Fi going up to San Francisco, not on the way back, and uh, late last year, in New Zealand announced, well, early December, they announced, hey, it's uh, Wi-Fi free-for-all on, on flights for uh, at least December, January, possibly even into February. And so, you know, varying bits of discussion around, well, what's that going to do performance-wise? And so I, I fired up uh, you know, a little tool to have a look what was going on in the network, and I think you know varying times there were yeah, it was possible through the tool I was using to to find maybe you know, 150 connections uh, to Wi-Fi on the plane. Now I'll compare that. That's on a probably a triple seven three hundred uh, to being that's, on that's over half the plane almost it's, it's yeah. a pretty pretty big chunk yeah uh, to being on a flight with Emirates which was a um, A380 A380 okay. yeah and it's showing around 30 people connected uh, now huge difference we've talked about this a little on the show before in terms of performance you know, Emirates it was sort of around one megabit you know, at at best, uh, upload speeds I think be yeah, often lower. Uh, in New Zealand, upload speeds were sort of three to five megabits. Download speeds were thirteen to fifteen megabits. And so I thought, well, you've got all of this. Someone's got to try this out. I didn't really need any content to watch, but I jumped into Netflix and thought, what if I try and download five or ten, you know, <laughs> video episodes? And of course, I had more than one phone in me, so uh, fired up the iPhone, and uh, it got a little bit caught up at times. But eventually, 
uh, once it got started, it pulled down episodes actually, you know, quite quite quickly. Yep. At, you know, probably reason reasonably uh, close to that sort they of. They recommend not streaming. Megabit. I wasn't streaming. <laughs> no, no, no. I was just, just using just to download the episodes, uh, <laughs> um, and that that worked quite you know yep. quite well. I didn't really see any degradation, uh, any major degradation performance you know, at all when I was running the varying tests. Now I think they blocked speedtest.net, but there are yeah other mechanisms you can you can uh, obviously use to get yeah. uh, get speed. Uh, but it seemed to work quite well. Pulled down those Netflix uh, episodes. What I did find, and I found out from others, this is not a unique experience, was my Android device I must have tried 10 times and it would not let me on and it gave me you know errors about whatever um, but basically you know my other device was working just fine on the Wi-Fi and uh, in fact on the way back I spoke to somebody who said oh yeah I couldn't get the I couldn't get Wi-Fi to work on my on my phone at all um, so there, yeah. there may be some Issues where they get you know whether it's a load issue or what it was. It seemed like signal strength was fine. You're actually connecting to the Wi-Fi, but then it pushes you through a screen where you've got to you know put your email address and and uh, you know fill in a sort of capture type yep. thing. You'd go through that, and then the, the next screen it would sort of say that there were connectivity issues. Agree to those terms terms and conditions about <laughs> not downloading large movies. <laughs> Yeah, maybe the system was smarter smarter than, uh, than 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 I'd give it credit for. Who knows? Um, but anyway, so you know, good good to see that yeah. the, you know the the performance of this new sort of satellite internet on board is uh, um, is you know is is pretty pretty capable in, in most regards. But there's obviously still you know some some teething stuff. And when I spoke to one of the um, one of the staff on on, on board. You know, she she made comment around, oh, you know, we're still testing this stuff and yeah. and so on. So you know, I don't know when they stop stop saying saying that or using <laughs> using that excuse. Uh, but anyway, you know, good on them because I guess it's been you know it's been about a year now since they've been uh, trying this uh, stuff out and it's been publicly available for for quite some time. But your point around the sort of number of people, you know, I look, looked down um, looked down the the aisle. And uh, you know, noticed that uh, you know, I guess individual, you know, individual sort of people uh, sitting up the front of the plane, and they were mostly all looking at their phones, which yep. was quite weird compared Jarring to compared you to know, a, a year I... a year ago. It was just a completely different scene, and. Yeah, I guess reflective of the the world we're we're in. Once you enable sort of communications, and people were sucked into that addictive Straight vortex the of their devices. Yeah, I did. I used to kind of enjoy the plane to be one of those one havens where we didn't have access. But yeah, disappearing internet connectivity everywhere. Yeah, yeah, and um, you know, on that on that front, um, SpaceX have have uh, just in the last few days uh, done their their first uh, launch for twenty nineteen, and that included the uh, the last of the Iridium uh, Next uh, satellites, which uh, they've been putting up mostly and setting up about ten ten at a at a time. So that's the end of it for uh, Iridium. Uh, next, which is it's quite interesting to uh, to read about the the performance of it. I think the original Iridium was something like two point four kilobits per second. I mean, super yep. slow internet, but it would work anywhere in the world. Iridium Next, they bumped that up a a, a little bit. You know, I think you're uh, maybe a you know a step or two above a, a dial-up type modem uh, on a mobile device, and there are varying terminals that can be fixed and and so on. Uh, but I, th- I think a key for them is there's a I think they've got a you know level of, of backwards compatibility, and so the original Iridium uh, satellite you know mobile network was launched maybe 20 years ago that sort of or just maybe a bit over uh, and there are lots of ships and all sorts of things around the yeah, world the that rely on planes on, on their yeah, network yeah. right so um, so that allows them to continue that but of course there are all the, the new the new players that are yeah. coming in and, and delivering much much faster uh, speed so yeah again it's it's nice to have some uh, 
have some some choice and you know will of course see SpaceX themselves getting into uh, supposedly getting into that space with their own uh, low earth orbit satellites as well yeah and rocket lab obviously throwing up the the small cube slats it's yeah yeah that really has opened up and that's the new frontier the commercialization of space um yeah it's pretty exciting well i did read something from um uh, i don't know if it was an official statement but it was it talked about sort of the, the softening of the market, and it was to do with SpaceX uh, in terms of putting stuff up, which you know might be the type of what they're trying to launch compared to what Rocket Lab are launching. Because Rocket Lab, yeah. are, you know, are just saying, look, there's there's so much you know stuff to, to launch, it's going to keep us going for years and years. And and SpaceX were you know sort of in, indicating. Uh, um, you know, some somewhat somewhat the opposite, which you know, I guess is, is different different payloads. Yeah. Uh, now, there were a couple of other things I'd like to talk about. We might move, dive into them uh, next week. A couple of sort of cybersecurity things, uh, because we really want to hear about your drive. <laughs> we have the privilege yeah. of of having you here. I think yeah, we probably talked about your drive. Well, I don't know when we when we last did uh, on the New Zealand Tech Podcast in the in the in the past. Um, but yeah, maybe you can you can you know fill us in on you know what's been happening. You've been what full time now in in, um, in oh, your yeah, drive I've, for a num- number of yeah. years. Um, it's been a kind of kind of first I was founded it. So um, first I thought about it was about five or six years ago, and it right. came out of the idea. That was before Airbnb was big in, in New Zealand, but kind of came out of the. I was a big user of Booker Batch. We used to go for ski weekends away. Yeah, and yeah. then was living in Auckland and buying my kind of first car out of university, and those kind of two experiences of the, the sharing economy um, through Booker Batch and the the joys of owning a car in Auckland, which weren't that joyful. Um, so I thought, you know, how can we put those two models together? Um, and that would have been about six years ago. It was a, a, a it was a slow um, burn in terms of the gestation period. We um, had some legal and insurance loopholes to get through, and then kind of the official launch was just over three years ago. Mm. And steady growth. So kind of car numbers have gone from twenty in that first year, fifty to two hundred, and we're now up over five hundred vehicles on the platform. And um, yeah, seeing good growth and and really starting to operate as a proper business and seeing people use it and it's yeah, it's exciting to to see people kind of enjoy the product and get out there and try it. Yeah, and you've had um, Juicy have come on board as uh, as an investor. Yep. I mean, they've been incredibly successful around the world. So that that must be you know been incredible validation uh, to have them wanting to uh, wanting to partner with you and, and invest. Yeah, that was our, our so our first kind of got a bit of family and friends money, but our, our big first round was um, to team up with Juicy. Yeah. Um, so they ended up they've now got a fifty percent stake in the business. Um, and our team we've got a team of six now. We work out of Juicy's head office in um, Central Auckland. Um, and so, yeah, amazing the two brothers Tim and Chris Alp who who, who run Juicy are. are are proper entrepreneurs and <laughs> kind of see them kind of once a week and it, like to, to the energy of that organization um has been awesome for us it's really quite hard as a as a kind of agile startup to to make that um, move into a larger corporate but we've been really lucky with that partnership that they kind of it's not your traditional kind of big corporate it's still like a really kind of Innovative company, um, yeah, so yeah, and I, I remember, uh, you know, as a family we went round, uh, you know, a bunch of national parks in the US last year, and it was like, you know, I kept seeing their brand <laughs> yeah. popping up, and it was just like, go Kiwi, you know, it feel, always feels good seeing, uh, uh, you know, New, New Zealand, uh, you know, entities and and and, uh, and and people doing well around the world, you know, whether it's you know what we're doing in sport or business and. And so on. Yeah. So um, yeah, I was really pleased when I you know noticed that uh, uh, that you had that investment. Seems uh, you know like a, like a really good partnership. And uh, yeah, there must be some some good things that you're able to draw. Yeah, we're, off, we're off starting. Them. I mean, there's a wealth of expertise mm. there. That's um, one of the 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 big things we were um, 
kind of dom- domiciled in the in the ice house um, when we were starting yes. and um, spoke to a couple of people there, the, the Andy Hamiltons of the world who made the um, introduction um, to Juicy and it, it was just such a kind of logical fit. So it was, it's quite an interesting um, capital raising story. We didn't go through the classic kind of um, seed funding or kind of angel investment capital it was we went straight into kind of a, a good corporate partnership where mm. we saw great synergies um, it, it, it has taken time to get some of those synergies and we're just starting to uncover them but um, yeah I'm still really excited about how the two businesses can can kind of work together and um, kind of see some of the, the, the innovation in our model um, in terms of not owning the, the, the assets, the sharing economy, um, and that they're doing interesting things across their business. Yes, yeah. Getting into the, the snooze pods and, um, yeah, uh, working out of New Zealand, Australia, and, and the US now as well. So mm. um, really starting to, to embed that partnership and, and, and kind of, a, yeah, get the two companies working like this that word synergy i think it's it's overused but we are starting to kind of find that yeah that's great now yeah i guess one of one of the challenges with the sharing economy is how do you make it work you know really 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 well yeah and uh one of the experiments i've been um involved in because i you know i kind of like to get a feel for how how these things you know work in in practice uh has been uh being an airbnb uh, host uh, with with a house that we uh, we own over the last uh, well must be heading on nine months or certainly well over over six months now anyway and um, you know there are bits and pieces of technology or, or sometimes just you know very simple things that can really really make a difference um, and one thing that was you know quite Im- you know quite important for us was to move from you know hiding the key in a particular location to um, we were going to go with a smart lock but the um, the uh, the locksmith had some issue with it so in the end we just did a little thirty dollar you know lock, lock, lock box, box to yeah. get uh, to get to get started with um, um, you know just being a, a bit more tidier professional in, in in those regards now this is one of the challenges with sort of uh, car sharing is you know getting the keys to people and so on so I hear you've got something up 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 your sleeve that you've uh, you've been you know testing that's going to make this sort of access to cars uh, easier in the not too distant future. Yeah, we have. It's um, super exciting. We're kind of testing it in market at the moment, but we're we're starting to play around with the install hardware. It's um the the car share models that that own the vehicles it's quite easy because they have control over their fleet but with a a peer-to-peer network we've got everything from fiat puntos to you know tesla model s's so it's there's there's a a a big range there um and so to find compatible solutions um has been difficult but we 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 think we've got a a piece of hardware now that we can get an auto electrician um and install that piece of hardware in, in the car uh, the user will walk up to the car, push a button on their phone um, using either Bluetooth or cellular tech. They will mm. send a message, car will unlock, and the keys will be in there. So that it, it, we, we're, we're excited about it because we, it's like it's a game changer for for the owners. Like your Airbnb experience, it takes a lot of um, kind of admin pressure off, and then for, for the users, it, it really kind of elevates the service in, in terms of getting that access. Um, yeah, it's it's we've we've got about five of the units at the moment, and they seem mm. to be working. Um, and oh, the kind of twenty nineteen is the year we roll that out. Hopefully, yeah, yeah, yeah that, that's great. And where are you in New Zealand at the moment? Yeah, so we 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 operate nationally. Um, all our kind of commercial models are in terms of insurance and roadside assist and national so it allows us to operate anywhere um it's basically where people have cars um and where there's demand and and the obvious place for that's auckland because it's it's the biggest urban market so i think uh, somewhere between 70 and 75 percent of our vehicles are here in auckland um got quite a few in wellington christchurch the got quite a few in queenstown as well that hit some of the tourist market um and then splattered around minor centres as well, but yeah, yeah. The, the core of it's in, the, in those main centres. Yeah, 
That's great. So people that are interested in uh, in trying to maybe they've got a, a car that they don't use as as much as they could or whatever their uh, scenario is, or maybe they're they're heading out of town and they'd like access to a car, or they're in town, you know, they were in a particular location, um, they don't not ready to own a car, don't ever want to own a car, whatever that yep. scenario uh, looks like. Uh, maybe their car's in the you know shop getting fixed up or <laughs> or you know something. Um, yeah, how easy is it to sort of jump through the hoops either to you know list their own vehicle or to find a a, a vehicle uh, to rent? Because sometimes that that can be part of the challenge. I remember trying to try out one of these services in the US, and I, I can't remember whether it was my New Zealand uh, driver's license or my New Zealand credit card or you know whatever. Um, you know, I'm not in the right favoured. Um, <laughs> yeah. Something, uh, I wa- I wasn't able to try out the you know the the, the service. So um, yeah, how how hard? Is yeah, that, it's because that? Um, you've got legal things you've got to deal with, and you know checking dr- you know drivers' licenses. You've got insurance things to consider, and so on. We've been um, conscious of of the, of those barriers to entry. Obviously, the f- spending money on marketing, you're getting people to the website. You want to make it as easy as possible. Yes. Um, it's a no-brainer from a commercial point of view, but so that translates into the customer experience. Um, I'll start with the, the renting. Basically, you just need a full New Zealand driver's license, right. and we check that. Um, part of that checks manual. That's um, a classic New Zealand government thing where we can't do it um, live, um, so that takes um, basically maximum six or seven hours, and then your account's approved. We do a couple of other background checks, which are all automated, um, and then you're good to go. You send the request through to the owner, um, and they approve with the new technology. It's kind of instantly in the car. Um, So it it doesn't take a long time. Um, It's not quite instant um, either. But on on the vehicle listing, there's a, a little bit more to do. We need to do a bit of a background check on that vehicle, make sure it's not stolen. Um look at the finance and stuff um, and then we do a a, a new um, certificate of fitness which is exactly the same test as a warrant of fitness but we just need to make sure that's kind of up to date and it's that kind of commercial um, use of the vehicle it's um, slightly more stringent to, right. to make sure everything's kind of road safe yeah okay cool uh, and electric vehicles Yep, I did a little search, and I, um, you know, I guess people make their vehicles available different time windows and things like that. But I, I did remember you'd had you know Teslas on before. I did a search the other day, and I ticked the EV box, and for whatever the other criteria where I filled out, I can't remember. It, it didn't come up with did, anything, so oh, is it sort of is it vari- vari- oh, a bit variable? I imagine if this available? is this is our literally busiest time of the year, yep, the, okay. the summer holidays. So gotcha. we, we are. If you're an owner, this is yeah. the time to make money. Um, yeah, okay. and this, and the, as a renter, unfortunately, like that's when we get low on supply. Um, but I think we've got about 12 EVs um, and a lot of Leafs. Obviously, they're the most common mm-hmm. vehicle, but we, we do have a Tesla Model S. Um, we're just doing a little project with Juicy, hopefully, and getting a, one of the Nissan vans that is going to be fitted out for camper van kind of style. Um, so... We're really excited about the EVs and kind of want to push that angle because um, I think a lot of people are very, are very interested to try. Yeah, it. well, that's be one way of doing it, right? it's not easy to try, and yeah. you can obviously go to your dealer and get it for a couple of hours. But because of the shift that is kind of internal combustion engine to EV, you kind of want to live with it for a few days, take it home, and. We've had quite a few people use the Your Drive model for that, get mm. the particular one if you want to uh, own an Iconic and then go, mm. go go rent that particular car and try it. Um, yeah. I, I know we've got a like Outlander PHEV as well. Mm. Um, so, mm. yeah, we, we do have a few of those. And it's a really I, – I've like a big part of founding the business for me was that sustainable bent, um, looking at car ownership and reducing mm. kind of car use. So – the, the EV is obviously a big part of the solution in the future and yeah. want, to, want to do more to support it. Yeah. Oh, that's great. So uh, where do people go? Just yourdrive.co.nz? Yeah, yourdrive.co.nz. Yeah. Um, 
all the information's there, the how it works, and got some explainer videos. Um, <coughs> you can get involved. Yes, yeah, as I yeah. said, it's pretty easy to sign up. Yeah, yeah cool. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll I'll have to have another look my, myself. I think I might have signed up very early on. There wasn't a big pool of yeah. pool of cars, so I'll have to jump back in and uh, and, and have a look. Uh, but that's that's very cool. Thank cool. you for uh, for joining the show, Oscar. No, it's been a pleasure to be here. It's been fun giving us giving yeah. us an update of uh, of what what's happening and and sort of really filling in the picture since you haven't been um, in before on uh, on your drive. So that's great. Um, yeah, well, that's it for this episode. So thanks everybody for listening in. We'll catch you uh, catch you all again next week. That's um, us signing out. Cheers. Catch you. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.